Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your host, Optimus from the Retro Futurist Culture Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Robotech. We have a very special guest, Tom Bateman. But before we get to Tom, just going to have a brief history of Robotech. Robotech is the result of 1980s syndicated TV rules and some very, very, very clever storytelling. A company called Harmony Gold bought the U.S. distribution rights to a lot of Japanese anime shows from the late 70s and early 80s. While looking to get some art for these shows as possible posters and packaging, they met a gentleman named Carl Masick who ran an art gallery specializing in anime. Carl knew more about the shows that they owned than Harmony Gold did. They brought Carl on to help uh, be a creative advisor. They first tried to do the direct-to-VHS market with the SDF Macross anime. Under Carl's advice, they did a pilot movie. It did okay, but they decided TV would probably be a better market. At the time, TV syndication required 65 episodes, 13 weeks of programming to make it on the air. Most of these anime only had 30 to 40 episodes, so that wasn't enough. Um, They combined three different series into one show under the name Robotech. And that was decided upon because a model kit company named Ravel actually had the rights to most of the model molds from these animated shows and had already called it Robotech. So in a cross-marketing win-win situation for all, we got a 1985 syndicated show that was far above what kids were spoon-fed on the TV in those afternoons. Um, It's... It's an amazing epic. It's kind of a mess, and I'm really excited to have Tom on here. We're going to go into some more detail about that. Uh, In some ways, I feel like Robotech itself is better than its origins and very different as well. Uh, So without further ado, I'm introducing Tom Bateman, who worked for Harmony Gold and also worked directly with Carl Masick on a few projects. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me. Great. Um, so Tom, let's get into your first, uh, viewing of Robotech or when did you first see Robotech? What was, what was the thing that got you into Robotech? Well, I, I think like the, the pump had been primed for me, uh, by seeing the release of the, uh, Batroid Valkyrie toys from Takatoku on American toy store shelves. Um, I was right here in Orange County, California, and I'd go to the mall in Orange, and there was a toy seller there that had a shelf full of these toys, and I just saw that this, you know, this transformable robot that would transform into an airplane. And while the the robot toy was cool itself, I just remember the box art, and I saw the characters, and I saw. You know, even though it was in Japanese, but I turned on the back and you saw the box art of, you know, the the SDF-1 and the different Valkyries. And I just thought, that is the coolest thing. And I said, what is this? And I and and the only English on there, it said Macross. And I said, what is this Macross? You know, and I had no idea. And and you couldn't you couldn't look it up. You know, you couldn't Google it. it. We didn't have internet in 1984, yeah. 85. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it was like you literally, it was a mystery as to what this was. And I was like, okay, you know, this is a cartoon. It's it's from Japan. How do I see this and how do I get this? But, you know, you you know, you're, you're very limited 
and how you are able to to yeah how know, old know anymore you, how old were you when you found these was this was this 84 was this before robotech hit the air yeah this this had to i'm pretty sure it had to have been 83 or 84 around the christmas season so i was like 13 years old at the time okay you're a little uh, bit older than me yeah mm -hmm. and uh it was just something that i just remember being really intrigued by those toys the art and then this name macross so i, was, I always kind of kept that in my head what is this macross and i need to keep an eye out for it and uh you know i was smart enough to know that you know sometimes these shows would come over from japan like i i knew that battle of the planets had been from japan oh yeah i knew, I knew star blazers had come from japan and and then uh as the mid 80s came about you know you would start to see shows like voltron and i knew that was from japan um and i just kept thinking when is macross coming i i know i know macross has to be coming i, mean, right, I had no idea it, it, but i'm sure it was gonna come and i was just i remember being in being watching tv every day just thinking maybe one of these days like they're gonna announce it and and this show will come up that i've been seeing on these toys is gonna show up on my tv someday and uh i i think it was it the the, the ad in the in uh, some of the sci-fi magazines for the video release and it was that great uh Yoshiyuki Takani, uh, iconic image of the uh, SF one one lifting off with the Valkyries Li flying. Exactly, and it said like uh, a fortress exceeding time and space, like Macross, and coming this was on for the um, Harmony Gold VHS release, right? Yeah, it. Yeah, it was for the for the uh, videotape release, and I remember thinking, and it was like, and it was really expensive. You know, it was like. It must have been like thirty bucks or something, which is which was not cheap uh, for for a kid back then on an allowance. Right. And also, the fact is, I didn't have a VCR, so I started bugging my parents. I said, "Can we get a VCR? Can we get a VCR?" Like, why do you need? Why do we need? Why do we need a VCR? And I'm like, because I want to get this this tape, this this thing, this macross, and uh, that was you know, and uh, I never did get the the v VCR, not for a few years, but. Uh, I remember there was the ad, so it was like that was a little thing of, okay, it's getting closer and closer, you know, you know maybe it'll now be on, maybe it'll be on TV, and then Codename Robotech came, and that was March first, nineteen eighty five, and I remember rushing home to be sure that I was going to mm -hmm. be there to watch it because the ads came up and I saw the I saw the Valkyries flying and I said this is it, this is Macross, this is the show. I have been waiting for, and I'm going to be there come hell or high water. I will be there uh, on Saturday afternoon. Three it was three thirty p.m. in uh, Saturday. I mean Friday afternoon, uh, and I was I believe it was uh, KTTV uh, channel eleven in Los Angeles, and I was like, "This is it," you know, and there it was, and it was everything I had hoped it would be. It was awesome. Yeah, I was. Uh... Like I said, I was in um, second, third grade, and I remember seeing the ad, and my brother and I sat down, and, and we watched it, and it floored our little brains. You actually videotape? No, 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 not the Macross, but with code, uh, sorry, never mind, the code name Robotech. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we had seen Voltron, and we had seen God Loved. Mm -hmm. 
Battle of the Planets. Like I was obsessed with that show as a kid. And and I'm I was I I being always involved with art and visual stuff. My brother and I were artists. We were always drawing. We knew there was something different about these shows. The art style like gave it away immediately, you know. And so we knew. And when we saw the ads for the the Robotech thing, we were like, "Oh, we got to check this out. Like this this looks like next level." Like, and it was. It was everything we liked about Transformers as far as transforming Mecha, but this was bigger. It had a bigger scope. Yeah. It was like Star Wars, and the characters were real characters. Like nothing against Transformers, but it's a very cookie cutter kind of built. It, it was a show peddled at kids, right? It was written to be peddled to kids to sell toys. Robotech was built, you know, on, on the grounds of its original Japanese shows, but it was built to tell a story first and foremost. And the toys mm-hmm. came secondary, which were awesome, but it was made to tell a story. And, and you could instantly tell by the amount of care that was put into the animation. Although some episodes of Macross have some questionable animation, but overall the whole show itself the music the mm-hmm. everything it was made to tell a story and it was it was definitely not it was one of those shows that you could watch as a kid but grown-ups could watch it too and mm-hmm. i think it was like probably the first show that broke that barrier in the united states that i can think of um right uh, uh, for me growing up there might have been some others but i mean the only, there weren't many all, all the other kid shows before that like voltron and and stuff uh, they were a little neutered compared to what we got with Robotech. And I, mm-hmm. I remember my brother and I just being floored by that that first yeah. episode. And then every day after school, it was like the run home to catch Robotech. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it was absolutely appointment television. Um, yeah. There, there was no, there was absolutely no missing Robotech. Um, I don't, I don't for, care what happened. It's like, I think I lost all interest in extracurricular activities. Like, you know, I, I, I quit. Uh, you know, I wasn't into football anymore. I'm like, I'm watching, Ro- you know, it's like, it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to watch Robotech. Um, so I thought that, um, you know, for, for me, like, you know, I, you know, seeing the other shows, you know, Battle of the Planets, uh, Voltron and Transformers, like, you know, they were, they were kind of, they were cool and all, you know, but it was, I wasn't like into them. Like, okay, there's a, you know, the, there's the Voltron. The, the five lions okay that's cool the transformers yeah transform rubs okay that's cool but i kind of i i remember really wanting more out of a show mm-hmm. uh, and i and i think that the 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 sanitization of shows like voltron and right. transformers and gi joe were a little it's like i started noticing the stuff and i thought i was like oh come on like like there was like one point where a character in Voltron clearly died. Like, yeah. it wasn't a, and I remember seeing the animation. It's like the characters are bawling their eyes out. And, and I'm seeing this dead, this dead character, this dead character in the episode. And then the characters like, you know, one of the characters kind of screams and something. And then the little tagline says, Oh, well we take him away to a, to a hospital and he's okay now. And, and I was just like, well, come on now that didn't happen it's like i'm i'm okay i can i can understand death i can understand drama you don't have to you don't have to protect me and i thought i kind of felt insulted by the show and yeah uh, yeah and then so when robotech came it didn't have that i remember the, you know from the first episode i was like 
oh my god, they they just killed that person. That, that, <laughs> that, pretty, those guys, yeah, that when uh, when they first discover the Zentradi and mm-hmm. Rick is in the the two seater trainer, you know, Valkyrie, and he's got Min May with him in the back, and he unloads a full clip of that of mm-hmm. the Veritex gun pod into that Zentradi mm-hmm. guy. I mean, mm-hmm. there there was nothing like that for a kid at that time. And I, I think you're right. It, 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 it elevated the storytelling. And another thing I think uh, I was going to point out all those other shows, if you missed an episode, it wasn't a big deal because mm-hmm. every episode of Voltron was pretty much the same plot. Some bad mm-hmm. guy attacks. They try to fight it as just the lions. They can't beat it with just the lions. They form Voltron. There's a little bit of a fight. All of a sudden form blazing sword episode over mm-hmm. um, like transformers, GI Joe, none of them, it, none of them really mattered if you watched the episodes in order. There really wasn't any character development or long-term, long-arcing story. Mm-hmm. If you miss an episode of Robotech, you go, crap, what happened? Because like, mm-hmm. yeah. it was the big events were going on. I mean, the the initial drop of the very first episode, you know, a giant alien ship crashes on Earth and we get some new technology. And then these aliens from space attack us and a young man gets forced into a war he didn't even want to get involved with. And mm-hmm. that just sets us off on this crazy path. And none mm-hmm. of these other shows had a, had anything like that. Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons why I immediately embraced it the way I did was because I had been watching television, not just, you know, the, your cartoons, but I'd been watching real television. Um, you know, I was my my. I remember my mother was very into miniseries, so I watched like Shogun. I watched The Winds of War, um, The Thornbirds. So I was all into drama. Like I, I was very much aware of stories that could be you know really meaty. You know, be really dramatic. Um, I had watched Star Trek. I mean, I was, you know, my my daddy, you know gotten me into star trek and i just thought this is something you know that was very sophisticated very mature you know not necessarily adult it just it was like um you know it was television that would make you think and it was presented even though it was in a sci-fi setting it was presented in a very very straightforward way um and in a way that you could really you know really sink your teeth into so when Robotech came, I was totally prepared to absorb that show the way, you know, in to its maximum potential. And I still like, you know, I was well, watching, you know, in preparing for the show, I started watching a few episodes and I caught myself a few times, like getting a little emotional about like certain parts. I was like, oh, my God, that that was really good. Like they, they really, they really nailed it there. Um, and that, that's something I, I, I don't think Robotech gets enough credit for. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, one of the things that, uh, that, and it still holds up to this day, the direction of the voice actors and the mm-hmm. quality of the voice actors mm-hmm. they hired was yeah. way above anything else in animation at the time. Like it f- mm-hmm. freaking just stops all over anything that came before it. Western animated. Nobody had put that much care because everything was like, oh, it's for kids. Oh, it's for kids. And I oh, yeah. really yeah. think that I'm going to 
I'm going to point most of this at Carl, but I know there was some mm-hmm. other guys, Kramer and those guys, they did all a really fantastic job, but he was mm-hmm. like, we got to make this a good show quality show. We need real actors that can act. We need, you know, they, they did work and it really pays off. I mean, it's, it's almost timeless. Yeah. The video quality is not that good because we still don't have a uh, HD remaster of it, mm-hmm. but, but the quality of the show as far as storytelling is still really good. I, I agree. I was, I threw on this week, I uh, threw on some episodes of Robotech masters, um, which is, you know, the perennial least fan favorite, but I have a soft spot for masters. It's not my oh, favorite, yeah. but there's a lot of good stuff in, in that saga that if you didn't have it, it's like the glue that holds the whole thing together. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, if I, if anyone says, Oh, well I really didn't like Robotech masters. I'm like, you know, go away. Just, you know, go back and watch it because if you're going to cut off Masters and if you're going to dismiss Masters because you thought it was boring, it's like, well, you know, you didn't get Robotech and you are missing out on some of the absolute best parts of Robotech because that's, the, I mean, some of the stuff that's in Masters is just incredible. And if you are dismissing that, it's like, well, you're, I think you're, you're, you're cutting yourself off from really, really, uh, appreciating the show as a whole if you're just right. into macros i get it macros is really great new generation's cool but if you think that if that masters it's like okay yeah okay there's a one two and three sure but that doesn't yeah. mean that number three isn't as good as the other two in a lot of ways so yeah uh so i, um, I will always i will always stick up for masters i think yeah me too yeah just just so the audience maybe maybe you've never watched robotech maybe you're not obsessed with robotech like tom and i are uh just to give you a heads up robotech was built out of three different japanese anime super dimensional fortress macross became the first 36 episodes the macross saga the next 23 episodes were built out of super dimensional calvary southern cross that gave us the robotech masters era and it's the bridge between Macross and the final arc, which was called New Generation, Robotech New Generation, that was developed from the Japanese anime Genesis Climber Moss Beta. And that's what gave us the 85 episodes of Robotech. And it also did something that no other show did. And that's we had like a generational story arc. So after the Macross saga ended, we get that ending and you're expecting to see Rick, Lisa, Minmei and the crew and we don't, we get a whole new crew and it's been, you know, 10 years and the original crew has moved on to an adventure in space that we were going to get a sequel to. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> and we've got a new crew at home and they are defending the planet from another, you know, uh, earth shattering disaster or potential disaster, not really disaster, but an invasion again from a different species that, uh, that is looking for a power source that it wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I remember as a kid, I was like, I was a little confused, but I just rolled with it. I was like, okay. And after that first episode, episode 37, you know, we got Dana's Dana's story. So Dana is the daughter mm-hmm. of Max and Maria, some, some hero characters from the first saga. And she turns out to be a pretty fun character. But the thing that I enjoyed was that we went from a very um, Air Force slash 
Navy style setting of space warfare and flying to a very ground based combat system because now we're dealing with a crew that drives uh transformable hover tanks right mm-hmm. and we have a space core too but it was a it was a neat it was kind of cool it was almost like you got a whole different show but it was connected to the other yeah. show yeah and and they and they cleverly uh connected it with it you know i mean you know quaking dana is the daughter of max near sterling what was that that was a that was a very that was a very interesting choice and i think that I think it works. Uh, I think that uh, Masters takes about ten episodes to really find itself. It, and, yeah, it uh, starts a little slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I mean, but Southern Cross was exactly the same way. And I think that uh, when you go, when you come from the from literally this, you know, high of Macross, this absolute climactic battle, the SDF one of the Freud, Rick and Lisa get together again. And I remember when that book closed, I was screaming at the TV, no, 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 it can't <laughs> be over. And and I remember and I saw it, the book it closed and it said so long. And I was like, what does this mean? This can't be over. And then I saw the preview, it said, Oh, a new generation of Robotech heroes. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm still watch it. But I'm like, what's, you know, I was not, I, when going into that, into what is now uh, the last episode of the Macross Saga, you remember, you had no idea that that was coming, that that was right. going to be the final episode of the Macross Saga. Because at that point, I didn't know that, okay, he, you know, we had three shows and we were going to have three different chapters. Uh, so when that happened, it was, it was a complete shock. And it took a while to get over the shock, but it wasn't like, oh, I don't want to watch the show anymore. It was like, oh, what is this new thing? You know? Yeah. One of the things uh, that's interesting is the original intro that was aired in 85 and that's on the um, broadcast DVDs that ADV released in 2000. That intro shows all the generations. It was a very cleverly made intro where they took the three intros intros and outros from those shows and edited together an intro for Robotech. Yeah. And I love that intro. Love that uh-huh. intro. Oh yeah. When they did the remasters of Robotech and they gave them their own intros, which were basically just the Japanese show intros. I was kind of sad that they didn't take the time to actually just re-edit the Robotech intro. Cause to me, that was like, that was mm-hmm. like part of my childhood was you'd come home from school and you would hear that music and you would see that intro. And I remember being excited watching the intro, like, oh, when are we going to see those cool motorcycles? Ooh, what are these tanks? Oh, yeah. man, did that chick just blow away a spaceship with a blaster rifle? Like all this yeah. crazy yeah. stuff. So when we got to Southern Cross, I was like, oh, here are some of those characters from that intro. Okay, I see what we're doing now, kind of. Um, and you're right, yeah, Masters Masters starts slow, but so did its source material. And actually, I feel like Robotech Masters improved its from its source material. The source material itself, uh, Southern Dimensional Calvary, Southern Cross, is kind of a hot mess. Like, Dana's Japanese character is kind of a nitwit and, like, is very boy crazy. And they changed the dialogue to make it more in tune with for robotech and she's more of a leader and you know uh she's a daydreamer at times but it's only because you know they they 
shoehorn in that because she's half Zentradi from her mom's side. And I just think overall, I felt like the Robotech Masters presentation holds up better than than the uh, source materials, Super Dimensional Calvary Southern Cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of that comes through, you know, again, the casting, um, you know, the cast Melissa Newman to be. Yeah, pa Paul, Paul and, Newman's daughter. Is actually Dennis no, Newman. actually, actually no. She's Randy Newman's. Uh, Randy she's related Newman. to Randy Newman, not not Paul Newman. She's related. Yeah, I believe I I believe that she is Randy Newman's sister. Uh, okay. That 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 is, but definitely was not Paul Newman's. Uh, not related to Paul Newman. It was Randy Newman, the 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 singer, uh, that she's related to. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, that was the only role that she did for Robotech. And right. <laughs> I don't believe that she continued in the, uh, in the acting profession, certainly not the voice acting profession. So, you know, to me, her voice stands out. And I think she played it really well. And, you know, kind of going back to the production of the show, you have to give ultimate credit to Carl Mason. Yeah, 100%. And, and and I say this because it could have very easily been done completely wrong. It could have been completely a complete disaster had the wrong person been put, you know, had they listened to the wrong person. And yeah, it, it you know, it, it's kind of like an urban legend that, you know, Ametagrama was shopping around, came into Carl's store, which is called Carl Mesa Gallery. It was in Orange on uh, Glacelle, right in the old old town Orange for the you Southern California people out there. Um, it, uh, he had, he sold animation cells. He was actually one of the few people in Southern California who actually sell, sold uh, animation cells, also, uh, particularly Japanese animation cells. And Ahmed Agrama was out there looking for stuff, and he happened to meet Carl in Carl's store. And Carl said, "Well, what are you looking for?" And Ahmed says, "Well, I'm looking for you know this and this and this." And Carl struck up the conversation. Well, you know, what is it that you're looking for in particular? And he says, "Well, we got these shows that we're you know I'm with a company. We have these shows." And he kind of listed off names, and I know that one of them was Macross, and. Carl like says, you know, if you're if you're smart, you you'll you'll release the like the these shows, but you you need to release them the way they were presented, you know, in Japan. You know, you can't you know pitify them. You can't. You have to present them the way they are in Japan as you know adult you know sci-fi entertainment, and that was something that thankfully. You know, Ahmed went back to Harmony Gold and said, hey, I met this guy, uh, you know, who really seems to know a lot about this stuff. And then uh, they made the smart decision to hire Carl, who came on again. And, and Carl, you know, knew you need to present these in a very straightforward way. You need to present them because there's a lot of strength in these shows. Um, he knew how good they were. And if they were presented in the right way, People in the United States, the audiences in the United States would react just the way they reacted in Japan. And he was absolutely 100% right. 
and thankfully Harmony Gold hired him um, to uh, be the uh, producer of Robotech. And, and this is like Carl had never produced a TV show before. You know, he was a very uh, new person to the business, but you know, he dived into it, and thankfully, uh, there were people around him who helped make the show what it is. You know, if you look at the credits of Robotech, it's, you know, you have yes, a the, lot uh, of people. You have a lot of people there, and you know, you see these names, and you may not know who they are, but they're very, very important. Um, like Steve Kramer, who is the script uh, editor. Uh, but there were a lot of other people who wrote the script, and they were also uh, the dialogue directors. These were young guys who were in the business, actors, writers, uh, Greg Finley, uh, Greg Snegop, Arvett Chamberlain, um, and uh, a, a name that I think that I, I really put at a high level is uh, uh, Robert Barron. I think he is the one who, he was the veteran. The other guys were all like young, new guys starting out in the business, but Bob Barron was a veteran of Hollywood, old Hollywood. He had grown up in the studio system. He had done TV. He, you know, he, he had written on Bonanza. Um, so he knew how this all worked. And he was the guy who mentored the writers. He mentored the directors and he, and he had a very, very big influence on the casting, picking these actors. A lot of these actors who had never acted before, and wow. uh, who had, and he was the one who picked people. And it's like it, what I would see is almost like put people in the right places and help bring Carl's vision to reality. And I, th I think you cannot give that man enough credit. Uh, I never had a chance. I talked with the men over the phone, but I never had a chance to meet them. Um, he passed away, I believe, in the late 90s. But he was uh, a really amazing person. Even nowadays, like the actors, uh, you know, will still, if they talk about Robic, they do talk about, like, they'll talk about Bob Barron. And yeah, I was going to say, they always call him Bob. They never call him Robert. He's credited well, as Robert mm -hmm. in the credits, but every, all, the, mm -hmm. all the actors uh, call him Bob. <laughs> yeah it, 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 and uh you know you you know his voice is heard very much in robotech he was the voice of admiral hayes um which was a very very authoritative figure and, right uh and also he um you can see him in live action too he's in bill and ted's excellent adventure he plays abraham lincoln yeah so, so if you you can enjoy seeing a, a robotech actor there in a live action movie um, but he was the, he was the veteran, and I think that had you not had a guy like him on it, I I I don't know if Robotech would have had the quality, because you know when I watch Robotech, I'm seeing that real professional level quality of of uh, presentation, um, of acting, and I think it really is a cut above. There's not any phoned in lines at all, mm -hmm. like ever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and right, and their studio, the audio studio, they recorded the actors' inner sound that was located at Harmony Gold. Was that at their site, or was inner sound a separate site where they recorded? 
Inner Sound has always been separate from Harmony Gold. Uh, I think that, I mean, they had different offices back in the uh, 80s, but they were never, from my understanding, they were never located in the same uh, building. Um, when when I was at Harmony Gold, Inner Sound was on La Cienega. Uh, but I think that the the original Inner Sound was on Sunset, but it was more like toward the Beverly Hills area rather than uh, towards uh, the Hollywood area. Uh, yeah, there's a story it, from, from on, my, from uh, my yeah. on the uh, 2000 DVD release. They talk about making the show, and I think it's Rebecca Forsyth who plays Minmay. She's talking about, like, we were coming or going or going and coming. You were at the studio because they were under the crunch to finish dubbing all they had to dub all these episodes and get it all done in a very short amount of time to make the air date um the 85 air date they were like on a serious mm-hmm. crunch where carl had taken the shows and kind of woven the story together and they created the scripts and that's why there's a couple inconsistencies i think mm-hmm. oh yeah there's a there's a flub in in cuz in superdimensional calvary uh genie has a sister and a brother or something but in robotech she only talks about or she she's she references the brother but he's ignored entirely <laughs> because he doesn't yeah, really yeah. exist yeah, um, the, the, so. yeah there there are a few things that pop up but you know remarkably i think the scripts are very very consistent even in the continuity era uh i mean again a few things pop up but you know, by and large, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, they have a pretty good batting average on that, but um, they were definitely under the gun to finish that show. I know that they were in the midst of recording the show when the show premiered in March. They were not done. I believe they finished sometime in, in early May. I, I'm again, you know, trying to, Get their get their uh, uh, memories to go back that far. Uh, it was a very very rush. Yeah, and there's even uh, one of the bonus features that somebody somebody that recorded the show off of KTLA Channel Five in LA was it mm-hmm. KTLA on the original broadcast date. Those episodes have slightly different audio than the final mm-hmm. finished '85 production run. And you can watch mm-hmm. it and see, you're like, oh, wow, that dialogue's a little different, or it's missing this music cue, or this, something is different, and it's interesting to see that. So, yeah, they were they were really under the gun to finish all of that um, mm-hmm. during that time. Uh, but, yeah, it was one of those projects that, that, uh, that I agree with you, Carl Masick was the guy that really got this together, and he they had a really solid professional crew, and that was my first experience with how good a dub and anime could be mm-hmm. and i would compare later dubs that when they started bringing the direct to vhs anime market finally hit here in 88 89 they started bringing stuff over oh man some of the dubs were terrible and i was oh, like yeah. why is this so bad mm-hmm. um like you know the only studio that seemed to be doing a decent dub and it's no coincidence was streamline pictures which was carl's mm-hmm studio their dubs were were actually awesome like i loved Mm -hmm. their dubs um but a lot of the other anime places their dubs were not very good um i I don't want to get into a subs versus dubs debate i'm just talking about the quality of dubs (laughs) for the market 
I, I think I think one of the reasons was is that you get people just became so familiar with with the voices that they I think became a little unnecessarily critical because like when you get into streamline, you know, Carl's gonna use who he knows, you know. He's gonna he's gonna pick the people who he knows can do the job. And sometimes those people are the same actors. And uh I think that there was an initial uh you know, you know, because Carl had gotten some very unfair criticism on Robotic. Like, you know, he was bastardizing anime and stuff, and he took a lot of shots, and a lot of it was undeserved. But he stuck to his guns because he was committed to making good uh, quality product. And and I remember one time at a, a convention, uh, someone had said something rather, just rather pithy about it and he said well when you get when you do it i'm sure it'll be you know be great and it was it was just kind of like a well let's see you do it and you'll find out how hard it is and then when that person and that company released their their uh dub they were (laughs) very much criticized for you know very wooden acting uh very poor script and and i remember years later that person was kind of you know carl was right <laughs> you know we, oh wow uh, yeah no and 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 i think that um i think you know carl kind of became an, an easy punching bag for a lot of anime diehards uh back in the 80s but uh you know carl never backed down he uh he did uh what he thought was right and he always uh you know it was always good for a good, uh, a good uh, discussion, and right. he would he would he would stand his ground a lot of times. That's awesome. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile History Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on the Cinephile History Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Welcome back to Retro Futures Culture. With us today, we have Tom Bateman. Tom Bateman worked uh, with Harmony Gold on the Robotech property. We're here with Tom Bateman. We're talking about Carl Masick, the quality of Robotech. And Tom, uh, before we get any further, let's go to some favorite Robotech episode memories or parts of episodes. Let's just have some fun talking about like favorite things this is going to be spoiler ridden people if you have not watched robotech you probably shouldn't even be listening to this but <laughs> what are some of your favorite moments in the robotech saga tom mm, okay well you know i'm gonna try to try to find some moments that are very not not your typical well-remembered uh moments i uh, one i was thinking of the other day was uh in uh in the in uh, the robotic master segment and it's the episode the love song and it's when uh the, the uh emerson general emerson is being given the mission which a lot of people think is a suicide mission to lead right. the offensive and it's a very emotional thing because uh bowie is playing the piano and you're playing this lovely version of the way to love that was composed by Upio Minucci. And this was a very somber, like 
but a very strong version of it. And all during this part where, uh, like, Sean Phillips is running after Marie and trying to apologize, and she doesn't, you know, she just runs to the elevator. And she gets in. To get on the turn- mission, yeah. But she turns around, and she sees him. And they lock eyes. He's all, Marie! And then, and like Angela's like, you know, you, you know, you know, he's holding him back. And I just thought that's a, you know, a gut punch because, you know, to the characters, that's the last time that, you know, that could be the last time they're going to see, uh, you know, each other. That's the last time yeah. he's going to see Marie and to leave something unsaid. And he's trying to apologize for, you know, what had happened. And, and then the whole thing between Emerson and Bowie, uh, which was I, not, not, I never thought it was like the strongest uh, plot line because they had made Bowie Grant the nephew of Claudia. And whereas in uh, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross, He's I believe uh, he was actually his son. So I think right. in, in Southern Cross, it actually carries more weight. But here in this part, it really kind of hit me because right at the end, when with Fleet taking off, you're playing that music, and then all of a sudden the piano just dang. Yeah, he hits a, and then he it, hits a minor chord. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like, oh my God, the end of that episode is just an absolute gut punch. And there's some I, great I, parts yeah. in that series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the yeah. one early on when uh, Dana first takes command of the 15th and they're out on maneuvers and <laughs> they're going to the to the coffee shop and Marie's squads there and they get into fisticuffs with all those mm-hmm. guys. It just seems like something that it just seems like a throwaway thing, but it's, it's really fun and it causes, you know, quite a bit of shenanigans for Dana. Yeah. She's uh, she doesn't take to authority too well, but being that and it, it really fit with her being the daughter of Max and Miria who were not normal pilots by any stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. i mean they were both the best of the best and sometimes that meant defying orders <laughs> to do things yeah. I, I look i look at dana the way she's <clears throat> depicted in robotech and is that she's just that absolute complete contrast to what her parents like yeah and i just think that it just happened that she turned out to be the complete opposite of her parents which it, I think just makes her a more, to me, a more interesting character. And I figured, you know what, just lean into it. You know, you know, guys, just go with it. You know, you, you can complain all you want, but you know what, just go with it. Because I think that makes her a more fun character and a more unpredictable character. Yeah, and without her flipping the switch, so to speak, right, She's her parents were very, like, obeyed orders, you know, all that and for her to be this more i don't want to say anarchistic but more kind of a free thinker where she she goes against the military command um at the time we have a totally different leadership the uh armies of the southern cross becomes you know the governing military body of earth while the robotech defense force or expeditionary force is now in space and she's got general and tony leonard who is very uh anti-alien and just wants to 
doesn't even want to try to attempt any sort of peace accords. He just wants to fight these aliens, even though he doesn't know what he's up against. And Dana's yeah, but 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 we we were attacked. We were we were attacked. Sure, sure. Yeah, Leonard Leonard was pro Earth. Leonard Leonard. I don't think I don't think Leonard was anti alien. I think he was pro Earth, and uh, he's there. His job is to protect the Earth, and and uh, and they and they attack. Well, well then, well they made the offensive move. So, so I'll def- I'll defend Leonard though. I'll defend Leonard a lot. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's quite the uh, villain that uh, a lot of uh, fans. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't say he's that. a villain. I would just say he <laughs> has a very he has his his point of view is this, and Dana's like wait wait, and I think Dana's um she's relating to especially Zor mm-hmm. Prime, you know, being mm-hmm. one of them, and. Mm-hmm. uh you know, because she is half of of their clone species, so mm-hmm. um, that's all I was getting at, and that that right. works. That really worked for that middle part of the story, and without that bit of Dana and Zor Prime, you know, kind of button heads with Leonard, and then Emerson kind of being stuck in the middle, and you know that leads us to the end, and and. Uh, the middle part of Robotech Southern Cross itself ends very much like Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars. It's a total downer. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, oh, it's the, it, it, it's it's a great like bridge from yeah. first uh, to the third. Uh, it and it it was I, I I you know it was just a fortuitous choice to pick Masters to be that that uh, second part. Um, because that you know, in the second part of the trilogy is always very, very important, uh, and I like it that it doesn't try to repeat masters. It doesn't try to do the same type of story. It's a very different story, and I, I'm great. I'm, I like it that it ends on a on a on a downer. Uh, no, and it's like the perfect. The, up, you couldn't yeah. have, you couldn't have. It's 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 kind of almost insane how carl noticed that these three shows would work together and kind of wove this tapestry because you know the end of matt cross leaves the planet war torn we start southern cross and it makes i mean the japanese southern cross took place on a different planet entirely but it looks like a war torn earth like it's all rocky and devastated it it worked as a kid i didn't even i didn't even blink i thought oh perfect this is great like i just went with it older when you get older you, you can obviously see it was a different show but when you're eight nine ten years old it, you kind of bought it hook line and sinker um and then at the end of southern cross or end of robotech masters the they release all the spores from the flower of life and that germinates the flower of life on the planet earth as the robotech master ship crashes and then we get to the intro of robotech the new generation and the new generation shows this alien species invades earth in like the blink of an eye coming after their seed, their flower of life, the the invid, which were the invid mm-hmm. in Genesis Climber Moss Beta. And the fact that they were able to just link all that together and it really works. Earth is still war torn, but there's packets of society that is kind of like civilized, but the military has been gone for too long. The armies of the Southern Cross couldn't stand up to the invid. They got wiped out for the most part. And there's basically just resistance groups and the opening of New Gen shows a new wave of Robotech defenders sent by Admiral Hunter. And on this wave, led by Scott Bernard and his team, they are quickly taken out by the Invid, and Scott has to 
make do and survive. And it's almost almost more of a seven samurai sort of a team kind of uh, operation. Like this small little group is going to try and stand up and face these these alien invaders. And it, it makes again for a, a not a retread of the other two, right? The first mm-hmm. saga is a very military meets civilian love story during war. Robotech Masters, um, you know, it's it's an invasion and alien relations, and then we get New Gen, which is uh, more of a almost like survival of the fittest at all costs, um, and it all somehow works. Right, I agree. Um, and there's the characters, um, you know, we we touched on on Robotech Masters quite a bit. And I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is probably, if you've seen Robotech, you've probably only watched Matt Cross and then gave up on the rest. So I'm sorry you did that. But we're going to talk about some of the the new gen characters because that, for me as a kid, that was my favorite saga. Everybody I knew loved Matt Cross. I had one friend that was a staunch, like, Robotech Masters or Die kid. And I was the kid that loved transforming motorcycles, so you couldn't tear me away from the TV when when New Gen came out. Uh, what were your thoughts on New Gen when you first saw it? Uh, you know, New Gen, uh, you know, New Gen's great, but it's such a different story because you know you're just dealing with, you know, just a few characters. You know, you're not dealing with a huge amount of uh, of a uh, you know, you don't have a big cast. You have Scott, you have Rand, you have Rook, you have Lancer, you have Lunk, and you have Annie. That's it. Uh, and the whole story revolves around them. So it's a much more tight-knit group. And, it, and and again, I love it that the fact that it's not trying to be Macross. It wasn't trying to be Southern Cross. It was Each show is distinctly different in its characters and i think that that strengthens each part makes each part you know very distinctive and you know new generation is a really good story because it just you know you're following the journey you literally are on the journey to reflex point with these characters and and so it's great yeah and uh, another thing that that this show did and there's there was something about the mid 1980s in our culture where we were getting a lot of strong female characters in movies in animation and this was something that was not seen before but in in robotech itself there was a ton of strong female characters we had lisa and min may in the macross saga you had dana sterling herself in robotech masters and then in new gen Mm -hmm. we've got brooke who's tough as nails like biker chick basically and then on the uh, Invid side, you've got the Regis herself and then Sarah, you know, her one of her princesses. And then we also had something that was probably unseen in animation to that point, maybe maybe sans trans or Z, but we had a guy, Lancer, who would dress up as a female incognito, mm-hmm. like a cross-dresser. And that was, I mean, as a kid, I didn't really think anything of it. I don't think it was much until much later that I was like, wait a minute, that dude was a cross-dresser. <laughs> As a kid, I didn't mm-hmm. care. I just liked the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did a lot of things that, that I think uh, were ahead of its time. Right. 
Um, when you were, now that we've kind of talked about the shows, let's let's get into your your time with Harmony Gold. So you you were a fan. You grew up watching it. You know, um, you love the saga. At what point? How did you get involved working for Harmony Gold with Harmony Gold? Well, I had uh, around 1994, you know, being a, you know, very involved anime fan, you know, I'd gone to a number of the conventions, uh, Anime Con 91, a couple of the anime expos, you know, it, you know, you know, obviously had gone to like Star Trek conventions and uh, the 10th anniversary of Robotech was coming up and I thought, someone should do a Robotech convention. Like, you know, it's the 10 year anniversary is coming up. And, and I remember talking to my brother and it was like, Hey, how hard could it be? And I, you know, we set apart, set up on doing a convention, convinced a few friends to, you know, go crazy with us and jump on trying to do this convention. Uh, I remember the first conversations with Carl and he was like, oh, he would put us in touch with the voice actors. And, and it's kind of one thing led to another. You know, it's like we contacted the hotel, uh, which was right here in Anaheim, right next to Disneyland. And, you know, one, it's like one thing that led to another. And then eventually uh, we got in touch with Harmony Gold. And, you know, kind of let them know this is what we're going to do. This is what we want to do. And uh, we received a lot of uh, assistance from them. Uh, at that point, there really wasn't a whole lot going on with Robotech, you know, at Harmony Gold. But they were certainly aware of what we were doing and very supportive of what we were doing. And that's where I first met Alan Letts, who is the, who is, uh, the executive vice president of business development. And a few years later, after the Robocon, uh, what we called Robocon 10, which uh, was a very, was a, was a great success in the fact of being able to bring the actors together. It was, uh, you know, a very fondly remembered event. Um, a few years after that, Alan Letts contacted me about, said, you know, they were going to try to relaunch Robotech. And would I be interested in helping? And I said, certainly. And I, uh, I first went there to kind of explain to them what, like, what Macross was, <laughs> what was, what was, what, the, what were the different shows involved, you know, because they didn't quite understand so it. Then everybody that, that was, mm -hmm. everybody that had worked on the original production of Robotech was gone by this time, right? When well, you, well, yeah. What talk to them? Well, you have to understand is that, you know, you know, when, you know, when people say that it wasn't like, okay, there was, you know, full-time staff is that the people who were making Robotech were hired to make Robotech at the time. So like Carl Masick was never an employee of Harmony Gold. He, he was, was just contracted. He was a contractor. But then again, everyone who was working on Robotech was a contractor. All the actors, all the writers. Um, they weren't like employees of Harmony Gold. So this, you know, the people who, you know, they say, oh, well, they get they, they, the people, there was no one there who had worked on Robotech. It's like, well, no, they're all, they were all over doing stuff at Streamline and they were, 
you know, doing uh, other voice work and writing and directing because that isn't what Harmony Gold does on a day-to-day basis. You know, Harmony Gold was into film and television distribution, which is a very different business. You know, so so when people say, "Oh, well, well," you know, people who weren't you know involved in people who were involved in Robotech at the time were no longer there. It's like that's what you know you know, it's kind of alluded to that that uh, they were somehow that Harmony Gold was purged of all these Robotech people. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily the case. It's that these guys did the job they were hired to do and, you know, they moved on to other projects. Whereas Harmony Gold went back to doing what it normally does. And uh, so I think there was a gap of, you know, just the fact that uh, Harmony Gold was kind of out of the Robotech business for a good, you know, almost 10 years. I mean, yes, there was some, you know, comics going on, there were some novels, but it wasn't, Harmony Gold wasn't involved in a, in a very uh, uh, proactive way. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, they were, you know, yeah, you get the, you know, make sure you send the royalty check and, and, and that was it. Uh, until around the late 90s when, uh, I remember Alan Letts was uh, talking about this thing called Robotech 3000. And I remember he brought me in. I was meeting him in his office and he showed me this videotape of this, of Robotech 3000. And it was a very. Uh, uh, that was their CGI sort of, they were yes. going after the reboot market or something. Yeah, the animated series look well. Like that was kind of what was popular at the time. It would, yeah. I mean, you know, like if you looked at the CG shows, you know, called or reboot, Beast uh, Wars. There was a lot of CG stuff going on. Yeah, and this was kind of coming at the tail end of it. And I, I personally had never been a fan of that type of animation. And when I heard when when Alan was explaining to me what it was, I was instantly, you know, I was kind of wincing at it. I was like, I don't think that's really the, the right way to go. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm keeping my, you know, I'm not saying anything overly critical because I, you know, I still want to talk to Alan and I kind of want to be kept in the loop. So, but he invites me into the office and I, I sit and watch this and it's only a few minutes. Um, and I think it's the basically the video that everyone has seen. I think they used to have it on their website. I don't know if it's up there anymore. But I remember it, it, it turned out it was over. And then he he looks at me and says, well, what do you think? And I looked at him and I said, that's not Robotech. <laughs> that's my, that's it, the reaction I had when I saw that thing, too. I was like, what? No. Thank you, everybody, for listening to part one of the Retro Futures podcast interview with Tom Bateman and Robotech. Stay tuned. Part two is going to be coming up soon. Thanks, everyone, for checking out the Retro Futures Culture podcast. Another great cast on the RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Check out all of our awesome other shows. Stay tuned. Lots of great content coming. Make sure to you keep your eyes peeled. RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.